Why don't you start, Jolene? Oh, shit, I just started. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> Being vulnerable here. Oh, it's okay. And I blew it. <laughs> I wait I wait for the lead. That is me learning to be less masculine energy focused and I wait for the lead and I step in smoothly. But you just did. There we very, go. Very nice. There so we go. It's the Into Greatness podcast with Jason and Jolene. Obviously, I'm Jason and she's ah, Jolene. There we are. Um, and we're talking vulnerability this week, which we alluded to last week. Yeah. So Jason actually threw these out and I was like, oh, I like this. This is something um, just so multifaceted for us. And I think when we hear the word vulnerability, we move to this really, um, really sensitive place. So if you look at the definition of vulnerability in general, it's the quality or state of being exposed to the possibility of being attacked or harmed, either physically or emotionally. Yes. And I think when we talk about vulnerability and self-development and just in, in, in professional growth and personal growth, that is the, the, the connotation of it. That's the one we lean into. But that's not actually what we mean by vulnerability because we're less likely to be vulnerable if we think it's just that we're at higher risk for attack. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. of course, we're not going to jump into that and be like, oh, that's a great idea. I'll see you next week. Yeah, like, right. Let you know how it goes. <laughs> right? So I like kind of digging for deeper meaning of that. So there's two meanings that we're going to reflect on here. Right? The quality or state of being vulnerable. Um, it's able to be easily hurt, influenced, or attacked. But... Um, oh, sorry. It's the willingness to take risk, to show emotions, and provide honest expression despite fears. Yes. Listen to that again. A willingness to take risk, to show emotions, and provide honest expression despite fears. So when we look at it that way, but then we look back at the previous one, meaning now you're at higher risk for attack, we're going to like, I feel my body close when I hear that, right? So if anyone's heard of Brene Brown, she is a social worker in the States and she talks a ton about vulnerability um, in her, like she's got Daring Greatly and um, lots of other books like that, that talk very, she started studying vulnerability, shame, um, and she dives into the, the stuff no one wanted to talk about, right? So her description of vulnerability, she says it's uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. It's the unstable feeling we get when we step out of our comfort zone and do something that forces us to loosen control. Yeah. That feels way more doable. <laughs> then I'm going to get hurt. <laughs> yes. Right. Like, oh, I'm going to step out and get like mass attacked. Yeah. So that there, you referenced that there was a friend you needed to be more vulnerable with. And that In terms was, of explaining something. Yeah. Right? That was Alicia's suggestion. And you were like, no, I'm going to be at risk of attack. Right? Yeah. But how does this feel when you think about that? It's the unstable feeling we get when we step out of our comfort zone or do something that forces us to loosen control. It's the uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. How does that feel when you think about that scenario? Less bad. Okay. <laughs> Less bad. Yeah. 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 And so you're more open to the idea because, and I think that's what stops people um, from being vulnerable is they've been vulnerable before with the wrong people and received a very negative response back. So they're like, well, just fuck this. I'm not doing it again. Mm. Right. I think that has, I know that with me, that's why one of the reasons why I became less vulnerable as things went on. Cause the moments where I had been, were just like picking the wrong people to express, not, not knowing it. Cause you know, when you start off as a, like, we've always talked about, you start off as kids, you go out and you start trying to express yourself. Um, maybe cause and, you know, being someone who's an adoptee, there's a natural, 
need to belong to and fear of rejection. So in order to not be afraid of rejection, you kind of just go along with things even though you don't agree it, to it, right? Or when you do express yourself, sometimes it doesn't happen at the right moment. Yeah. Because you, pick the, you pick, didn't pick the right audience. Like we said in the last episode, with that friend, you kind of know when to pick that battle and with who. Yes. Right? And you know when it can advance and work in your favor. And when you choose not to, the key there would be to tell yourself, I'm choosing not to be vulnerable because it's not safe enough for me to be yeah. that. Sometimes we're refusing to be vulnerable because we are we're um, resisting the um, intimacy that might come in a relationship where, you know, we expose to our friend or maybe our boss that like, we're not able to keep up with the workload or things like that. Like that shows a vulnerability. It shows that there's like a weak link somewhere in your system. And, you know, it's meant for growth. It's meant for breakthrough essentially. But when vulnerability is, given in the wrong places or exposed in the wrong place and it can be break down. Maybe that's like, that's kind of how I see it. It can either provide a breakthrough and a deepening in that experience, that connection, whatever it is, or it can be a breakdown because suddenly it is the attack. It has been like you showed the enemy the weak link. And that's where people who are, um, you know, more egocentric, they're power hungry, they're more controlling in friendships or things like that. They will take that vulnerable weakness and they will use it. And we see this in like mean girl groups where mm-hmm. it's like the vulnerability around the body image issue or the rejection from so-and-so and they will feed that or the, you know, like the vulnerability of having an anxious attachment style. The minute somebody knows that and they know if they pull away, you start chasing them, they'll play with that if they don't have truly your best intentions in mind. Hugely. Right? Hugely. Like, so we'll see that. Like, and I mean, you know, I've talked to so many people about that, like uh, about you know, when, when you're in like the dating world or something, uh, just recently I had a conversation with a client and she's really trying to show up authentically. And she's like, I don't know who the sharks are out there. Right. And I even think about in my own experience, I remember that was always my commitment. Like I will be vulnerable and authentic while still, you know, discerning and being protective of myself. But I, I genuinely want to go in believing that the right person will take that vulnerability and utilize it appropriately yeah. and offer a safe space for that. Right. But I remember even when I met my partner now, I was like, oh my gosh, is he a player or is he actually this genuine? And he was, guys, he was that <laughs> genuine. He's real. And actually, just right now, when you were in the bathroom, he just sent me the most amazing poem that he wrote. And he I. Writes poetry? For me, he does. That's pretty it's cool. It's so cool. He's just like, you're my muse, right? And um, so he he just sent that to me. Like, I don't think he did before he met me, but he d- he does since he met me. But that is um, such a vulnerable extension. Oh, yeah. That he feels entirely safe to do because I hold a safe space for that and like truly receive that now. That's right? cool. That's really cool. It's really yeah, neat. Yeah, but yeah. like, you know, so I'm going to share that, babe. Thank you. <laughs> but that actually came in perfect timing because that's ex- an example of vulnerability. Yeah. Or like I was telling Jason just this morning, I got a message. And uh, while we're recording this, the fight episode came out. And one of my uh, old high school friends was just like, Joe, who the hell did you punch in grade five? <laughs> and then he was like, I just started listening to this podcast, just found out about it. But he said like, kudos to you and Jason for self-disclosing so much and like sharing so much. That's so brave of you guys. And yeah, Jay, like we are vulnerable every yeah. time we're, we're doing this. But we don't think about it. No. It's one of those times where it's just not even on the mind that we are being vulnerable or even share, you know, even sharing. It's like, it's almost feels like we're doing it for the betterment of like the show and for people. 
without thinking about it ourselves. Because it's about the breakthrough and not the breakdown, right? Exactly. And I think we're also protected because we typically get positive feedback from people like that message or whatever. Like he was even like, I can't stop. Like I'm trying to chart and I can't stop going off and reflecting. Like, thank you for that. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Totally. Yeah. And I love getting feedback like that from all of you. Right. I mean, um, it's, but, but here's the thing. What if, what if we started getting negative feedback? Would that make us less likely to be more vulnerable and open here? I don't think so. I don't um, either. Because it's different. Like it's, well, for one thing, it's the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, I don't even read comments most yeah. of the time, right? Um, and people who leave those sort of things are generally trolling for a response. Totally. Right? So it wouldn't affect me at all. Um, even if someone came up on the street and was like, yeah, I think your show sucks. I'd probably just be like, well, whatever. Like, you know, like, what can we do better? What can we do better then? Huh? And they wouldn't have a response to that. And then I would be like, thanks for the listen. Right? Check. Or... <laughs> right? We got one more listening download for yeah, that exactly. asshole. For that asshole. Perfect. But there's also a line, and I think it's something to keep in mind, like the movie The Big Lebowski. Have you watched that yet? No, Jay. Because we were going to originally use Big Lebowski quotes for this entire season, but Jolene has yet to watch it. Um, Sorry if I've disappointed you guys. There's a line that he says when someone comes up, like it's Jeff Bridges doing like mm-hmm. Jeff, what Jeff Bridges does really well. And there's a guy that comes up and says something really derogatory or negative to him. And he just responds with, well, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> and it's just brilliant. It's so true though, right? Yeah. Um, it was funny. My son talked about that in one of his, uh, one of his games or like early tryouts or something. Um, he was like, he was like, yeah, some kid out there. It must have been in tryouts. He was like, some kid out there told me I sucked. And I was like, really? And I mean, these are like nine and 10 year olds, guys. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah. I was like, well, what did you say? He's like, I'm going to score a fucking goal. <laughs> and then he, he skated off and he scored a goal. Right? And I was like, can be a heck of a yeah, motivator, that little bit of right? negativity throwing your totally. way. Totally. Right? But can. I was like, kudos to you because my son is also. Um, really compassionate, empathetic, and he could easily be susceptible to, to like feel that comment a lot yep. more. Right. So really thinking about those times in your life, like where do you feel more vulnerable than other times and where do you armor up and, and, and have to actually protect away from vulnerability. So I've been really open about that. Then in my previous relationship, that was a place I could not be vulnerable. And I didn't realize that because I moved from like, I was in my government job for so long where we boundaried so strongly because of the power imbalance and the vulnerable population we worked with. We called them the vulnerable population, mm-hmm. right? Poverty, mental health, addictions, um, lots of, uh, disenfranchised, uh, you know, uh, folks. So I was very armored up all the time. And then I realized that when I moved into private practice, which was grief and trauma practice, and it was just softer and I started softening, I realized that I couldn't take that softer version home. And I would harden on my way home because it wasn't safe to be vulnerable there. Mm. And the part in that definition that really spoke to me was the um, inability to loosen control. And things were so out of control with my husband at the time, like for lots of different reasons, I don't think I was able to loosen control of what I had or myself or any kind of power that I contained there. Interesting. Yeah. But then when I was reading that, I was like, yeah, that's a perfect place. And I remember it was the switch because I didn't realize that I was hardened at work and hardened at home because it was a state. It was an armor I wore all the time. Yeah. But it wasn't until I softened in that private practice job that I realized 
I had to like armor up and not be vulnerable at home. Which is a place, the one Don't place show you weakness. should yes. be vulnerable. Yes. And that was, vulnerable, right? that was my defining like decision point. I was like, this is the one place I need to be my most like naked emotional self, whatever that yeah. looks like, as long as it's not an irresponsible, like, you know, display of it. But I need to be able to be myself. My children need to be able to see that, be that, all those things. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. It was very interesting. So when you think about vulnerability, what have been some of your most vulnerable times, Jay? Oh, I don't have a lot of vulnerable times. <laughs> it's oh, it's something Alicia and I are working on, yeah. uh, but I don't. I don't have a lot of vulnerable times. I, I did as a kid when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were moments where, like I said, that was with the wrong people at the wrong moment. My adoptive mom took any criticism or I didn't even know if it would be criticism. But certain things I did as total reflective on her and her parenting. So it was really, but with my dad, I could be. He and I could have honest conversations. So when he died, though, my only influence was her. Mm-hmm. So he just, there's certain things I just couldn't talk about, just would not talk about, even if I needed to talk to someone about it. So I got really good at sorting through shit on my own. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's continued to this. And then at the paper, there was times I tried to be, but then I'm doing like crime and dealing with people's trauma. So it was starting to affect me. So no, I needed to shut those down. So it was within the last year and a bit where I've been really working at trying to break those walls down. Mm-hmm. And I had a friend, I won't give, give her name out, but this is where the change came. She confided in me that she had had a stalker and that the guy had resurfaced. And knew that she had relocated to Kamloops kind mm-hmm. of thing. And it was like, she's talking about it. I'm kind of going through that. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm listening. And if you need help, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't until later, I was like, holy shit. Like, if something happened to this friend of mine, that would really suck. Or her kids. Yeah. If this asshole. And that's when it kind of came down a bit. The walls started coming down. Because I suddenly realized how, much, how important this person was in my life and her children. And so, telling her that, mm-hmm. which I did, because it was suggested that I should, was a, probably one of the hardest things I've done. Like confiding in that and then the impact that it had on me was tough. Yeah. And this isn't even someone who's like my spouse, but it was just yeah. like this real thing that was just like, holy fuck, like this finding out that you've been dealing with this for like for how long, this guy's back and could be a problem again. And then the risk to you and your children because of this person really did something. That's wild. You actually just made me think of a vulnerable time for me. And I talked about this in, I think, the vicarious trauma episode mm-hmm. when I had that client who was sexually harassing me. Yeah. And uh, I actually, he was charged and uh, there was a restraining order for a couple of years. And I remember like he knew things about my family. He knew things like about, yeah, he would say things about like, I think I had Marshall at the time. And I remember how exposed I felt. So this was in my government job Mm -hmm. where I was very much, you want to, you know, go back to the egocentrism and how I talked about like how we had roles and we had power and authority in some of these positions, right? I remember feeling entirely stripped of mm-hmm. all of that and so vulnerable. And most of the time I had two other um, like harassment and like assaulty type uh, experiences. And they were always when I was pregnant. And mm. I was like, what is the deal? And I wasn't even, I remember the first time it was like a four months in, I wasn't extremely showing, but it, it was almost like there was this vulnerability. You know how you have like pheromones yep. and I think there was an entire shift in my whole energy state and I became so vulnerable and probably my own maternalistic instincts were like, I need protection because it's not just me. 
I remember how vulnerable I felt in those times because there was legitimate like predatory yeah, yeah. behavior. And I remember when he was coming off of that like two year uh, restraining order and they contacted me like victim services, I think contacted me and I was like, Ugh. it felt so awful. And I was, I think I was on mat leave with my twins at the time and was just like, I felt very exposed again. So times in our lives where we feel very exposed, that's a really vulnerable position, right? For harm or, um, you know, ill intent kind of behavior. And I think, you know, in my work and a lot of the work I do, I just finished running another one of my, I am the one workshops last night. And, you know, there's so much feedback that people are so appreciative of the examples I share of my own life and how transparent I am of things without clouding, you know, therapist boundaries. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's always a delicate thing that I juggle. I don't do it in the one-to-one sessions the same way as I would like for teaching purposes or this podcast, right? Um, I'm wearing a slightly different hat. Um, So it's interesting, you know, I I, I do go, oh yeah, that's pretty ballsy. That is really risky. (laughs) But it's also like we are able to become more vulnerable when we have confidence in our decisions, when we have clarity in the reasons and why we do things, when we are aligned in our journey, Mm -hmm. it is just so much easier to be vulnerable. When I feel insecure, when I have some self-doubt about things, when I doubt my place of belonging, whether that is workplace related, relationship related, whatever that looks like, there are less, there's less willingness to be vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. You have to feel completely, I think, comfortable in yourself and where you're at. And I think it's one of those realizations you need to make that if this goes wrong, that's okay. Yeah. Right? I can live with it. And if this goes wrong, that's actually going to be a a, a more transformative moment, right? Because when we are exposing our deepest, darkest vulnerability or potential wound or really honest, um, intentional feelings about something and it goes wrong in terms of the other person becomes abusive or blaming or Mm -hmm. sees it as a personal attack. I think it tells us so much more than if they are supportive. Yeah. Right. And we either move away from that connection or the vulnerability brings us closer in that connection and advances us. And I'm always encouraging people to take that step closer right because you know it's like when you climb up the rungs of a ladder i feel like there's there comes a point where two people are not stating the obvious there's an elephant in the room someone's not stating their need where they felt hurt what happened for them and they're so afraid of rejection rejection will stop the vulnerability Uh, a fear of abandonment is going to stop the vulnerability so if you can lean into that and go, okay, I, I, I'm going to try this, you will move up like three or four rungs in that relationship. You will advance that to a way deeper level. And when we talked about emotional intimacy last season, yep. that is what you're gaining, right? Like, again, into me, I see you are giving somebody access to that, right? Yeah. That's like letting somebody come into the living room, but then come upstairs maybe to like hang out in your bedroom, which is a more intimate environment. That is where we can move connections and meaning and 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 these, you know, deeper sort of, uh, you know, presences in our life. Yeah, big time, big time. And it can be, for some people, that can be really hard, especially yeah. if they've dealt with a lot of rejection, abandonment, and haven't been able to sort through that themselves, yeah. right? But think about how inspiring vulnerability is. Think about what it does. So what is the impact of vulnerability? So it's inspiring for ourselves. It's empowering for us, but it's inspiring for others. So I want you to think about, actually, Matthew Perry's coming to mind right now. And Matthew the, Perry? Yeah, the, uh, expo- like the, the vulnerability in his book. Oh, so right, yeah. post, Post-death here, he everyone's kind of flogging his book um, yeah. that talks about the struggles in his life. 
think about in like, you know, we love when stars share their vulnerability because they are almost like these alter egos mm-hmm. of these superheroes that live these untouched lives, right? Like I love Matthew McConaughey and he shares vulnerabilities about his childhood and this and that, right? Um, think about the people who you've been most surprised by, right? Yeah. And inspired by them sharing their vulnerabilities, the behind the scenes of things. I think it was Schwarzenegger because he wrote a book, which I asked for for Christmas and I should have it by now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope he got it, guys. Right? Who, who thinks he got it? Um, a book called Be Useful. Mm. Where he sort of applies all the things he used to get to where he was um, and as a way to, for other people to kind of succeed in life. Kind of like our, our show here. But he did an audio version of it. And he put this whole post out about how, because of his ESL, basically, how he's not comfortable reading and how he struggled with that. And to get this, it's a book. He's basically reading a book aloud himself and how he had to kind of get over that and how he wasn't comfortable with the sound of his voice and how he wasn't. But I was sharing something from this guy who, for me, he was like a superhero growing up because he's like this huge ass motherfucker, popular governor guy, right? But I think that's cool that he shared that. And that speaks so much to your story. So if people remember, Jason struggled with dyslexia as a kid and like needed tutoring and things like that. And then you ended up in a career that maximized on that skill set, right? Storytelling, writing. Yeah, absolutely. So that is like almost a parallel to you. It is. It resonated. It really is. I understood it. I understood what he's going through. Because most people will think, well, you just sit down talking to a mic and... No, and the Let other alone thing. Write a book. The other thing is, I don't know if we ever talked about this. I feel like we might have. Is like the voice we have of ourselves inside our head isn't the same as the one out loud. Completely different. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> I remember I was working with a guy back when I used to like sell jeans up at the mall, and uh, one of my colleagues was like, he had like the ditziest moment, but it was so funny. He's like, oh my god. I just met somebody with my inside voice. I'm like, what? He's like, you know the voice you have of, of like you inside your head? His outside voice was my inside voice. Isn't that and crazy? And I was like, that's a trip, man. How would that even be possible? Right? right? But yeah, he was like, he sounded exactly like me when I listened to myself. But yeah, it's true. When we, uh, when I listen to us here, I think you do a really good job of the sounds and stuff. I'm like getting used to what my voice sounds yeah, like. It can take a long time though. For sure. And I think, you know, even when we look at... Um, uh, like using Zoom and video conferencing yep. and FaceTiming, like our generation was not familiar with like video stuff. Like I don't have a lot of video as a kid. We had to rent video machines back then. No one could afford them. Remember right? when you'd go to like a mall and they'd have all the TV displays and you'd actually have that camera that was just filming people in the mall and you'd <laughs> stop and see yourself for the first time and everyone would do something because it was so odd. Now yeah. if you did that, people would be like, whatever. They're like, they're TikToking. <laughs> they're TikToking. We're making our own mo- We're so, movies. Yeah, so younger generations are so comfortable in front of cameras and comfortable in front of, um, you know, like seeing themselves. I had to actually do EMDR sessions with people in COVID when they started seeing me online, they were like, I'm not comfortable looking at myself on the computer screen. Yeah. So I actually had to do like transference checks is a, is, is a thing that we'll do um, to kind of clear out some of the bias in the brain. Right. Um, So I would do that and an EMDR session around their anxiety of seeing themselves in the computer screen. For that first time. Because I would just think it's a barrier, right? You would not believe how many people, right? Because they would turn their camera off. And even myself, I was like, this is what I look like when I'm working, hey? Huh, crazy. I've never heard my, I've never really seen myself talk before, right? Like Because we don't. Yeah. So it was actually really cool because I was able to use that as a lot of like self-reflection of my own work. Um, and then also they got more comfortable 
self-image, their own confidence. It was really cool. And that's nothing I would have been able to accomplish in the office with them. Because I would bring a big mirror into my office and do mirror work sometimes with people. But it was just so cool to just have it readily available on that computer screen. Yeah. And almost, you can almost record it. Probably you might have for your own purposes, right? You can go and show people after. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was very cool. So I want you to think about vulnerability, right? And and the physical aspect of vulnerability, right? There might be some things we do that place us in more vulnerable scenarios or, you know, activities that we do that make us feel more vulnerable. Like I'm sure when you first started going to yoga, that felt like a vulnerability. First time I went to boxing. Yeah. I'm going to get punched in the face. It's going to hurt. Right? right? You know, but I didn't, I kind of enjoyed that. And then you build up that confidence as you go through it, right? Totally. Yeah. Um, and, and thinking about like what scenarios in your life do you expand outside that comfort zone? Which ones do you sit in the discomfort? Which ones do you just recoil against? Right? Like, and this is your opportunity to be like, so what, what's the benefit if I lean into that? Like, what is going to be the benefit here? What is my hope? What is the outcome? And when you can tangibly connect with the outcome of what that's going to be, if I tell this person, how I felt about them going out with their friends and not like inviting me and how that made me feel. What is the benefit of that? Well, I'm going to be validated. I'm mm-hmm. going to be heard. I will have finally stuck up for myself and my friends will have an opportunity to respond and I might get an answer and it may change their behavior as well, yeah. especially if it was not ill intended. If I don't take that vulnerable risk, of having that conversation, what is the detriment? I'm gonna hold resentment. I'm gonna behave in a passive aggressive way. It's gonna create just an energetic resistance in that friendship. People feel that shit right away. You can't can't hide that from anyone. And um, it is going to be held for so long and completely shift the dynamic of that friendship. What, what, where's the bigger risk here, guys? Yeah, exactly. Unless you're just not interested in being friends with that person anymore. Yeah. What, <laughs> you know what, what I mean? At what point is the bigger risk? And I think the more you add up all of our episodes where we talk about the importance of not holding resentment, we talk about the importance of, you know, being able to set a boundary or being able to recognize when um, we are not speaking up and validating ourselves or not, you know, being able to explore all of the points of view of what happened or this or that, right? We just, we hold ourselves back in so many ways. And I think... When we aren't able to step into a place of vulnerability, we're ripping ourselves off from some really amazing growth, right? Mm -hmm. That was one cool thing in this uh, new relationship that I'm in is both of us um, actively have done so much personal work prior to meeting each other that we have a brand new space to literally test drive all of that. And it is so rewarding when you're like, oh, fuck. This person's receptive to this. That was was so easy. And like, boom, you're five rungs up the ladder. You you are like jet speed ahead and at a completely different place now. Way different level of closeness, way different level of understanding. So many things. And you just feel so much more seen, so much more heard, so much more validated. For yourself and from the other person. Right? Which is nice to have. Oh, man. And you don't realize that until you have it when you didn't have it or something. Yeah, No, totally. I think you you never know what you were missing until you suddenly found it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I can think of so many different breakthroughs where, you know, that happened with colleagues at different times. Or it would happen, um, even my children, 
when my children reach that point of meltdown, they mm-hmm. finally stop holding it in all week or something. I'm just like, and they, they have the collapse. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't appreciate all those fucking moments, but there are some I do. There are some I do, especially like my one daughter who usually holds it together pretty good to be the mediator amongst everyone. And when she finally loses it, my heart feels for her. And I'm like, ah, you let us in. Like yeah. you let yourself have a space here. Yay. Right. Or when my son can finally show that because he's had to armor up big boy up Mm -hmm. in so many ways in his life that I love when he lets himself be little for those moments. To be that kid, little boy. To be that kid, vulnerable and emotional and expressive. Right. And for men, that is your guys' biggest vulnerability Mm -hmm. because of the socialization for how to behave, but also for women too, because we are chastised for being too emotional yeah right? too emotional or or too strong yeah even like they don't like it's like well they, they're so funny like you it's kind of the reverse like for guys like you're told you need to be more vulnerable but then sometimes when guys are they get chastised for being vulnerable you know what i mean and i'm sure with women it's the same thing like don't be so emotional and then like well why aren't you being but, normal or, or why are you being too bitchy yeah then, so right what if you're the emotional man and then the the, the partner takes advantage of that exactly, and they right? consider you like you know kind of a, a push weak or a pushover push right or, and they yeah. take advantage of that in the dynamic of the relationship so again it's about the safety of that vulnerability yeah right yeah so have a think about that you guys think <laughs> about where you can turn to thy neighbor and become slightly more vulnerable with the intention of breakthrough rather than breakdown Okay. Yeah, that's good. Like and that. yeah, and see where that expands you. See where that unblocks you. Yeah, I think I think that's a good experiment. And it's not something. This is one of those things when you play around with it. Don't expect just an easy shift. And like Jolene's saying, it's like it's almost you have to choose your vulnerability on a case by case basis, yes. especially with certain people. Start somewhere safe, yeah. right? Start somewhere safe. And that might not be in your most intimate relationship. No. Nope. It might not be. It might be actually in a work relationship where maybe less is on the line. Exactly. And that's usually sometimes the best place to start. Totally. You can start with us, guys. You can DM yeah. us. You can be vulnerable with us. I love it when people do that on my business page, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And feel free to on our on our Instagram yeah, come okay. join us on the IG. The IG. <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up this week's episode of the Integrateness Podcast. We are back next week with your next favorite episode. Until then, I'm Jason. I'm Jolene. Mm-hmm.